How do hormonal challenges in women or men affect relationships? What can a man do about low testosterone? How does low libido affect intimate relationships? And what do women really need from us men during hormonal challenges? This and so much more was covered in my interview with Professor Anis Mukherjee. She is a leading women's health and hormone expert in the UK with a medical career spanning over 30 years. She has supported thousands of women going through menopause and hormone-related challenges to help them manage symptoms and improve their quality of life and health. She is also the author of the best-selling book, The Complete Guide to the Menopause, which has a deeply holistic and personalized approach for women to manage menopause and truly any hormone-related challenges. In this episode, we talked about the taboo, the topics you want to hear about, but no one is talking about. Welcome to the Masculine and Feminine Dynamics podcast. My name is Lorin Kren and I am a relationship coach and hypnotherapist. I help you to unite the masculine and feminine within, in your relationships and life. Let's dive in. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for having me. So good to have you. It's a true pleasure. Um, I really want to start with something powerful here. So you mentioned in your amazing book that one of your clients came to you with early menopause symptoms, but was prescribed by someone else wrongly diagnosed with depression and she was take, was prescribed antidepressants. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. But how does this happen? And is this common that women get dismissed with, for instance, early menopause or any hormone related challenges? Absolutely, it's common. It's epidemic that hormone problems are dismissed in women. This is part of our patriarchal medical system where women's health issues tend to be dismissed. So in fact, menopause can be misdiagnosed, but equally in younger adult women, many hormone uh, imbalances and hormone problems can be missed, such as thyroid problems and premenstrual disorders, which actually uh, affect many, many women uh, from puberty onwards uh, through the, a woman's fertile adult life. So a, a very common condition, which almost most or all women will experience at some point is called premenstrual syndrome or premenstrual symptoms, where women will experience symptoms at certain times in their menstrual cycle. And a more severe form uh, of premenstrual disorder called PMDD, which is really a significant mood disorder. And if these problems are diagnosed correctly, you know, sometimes we will use antidepressants, understanding that the problem is hormone related, but we will also be thinking about and addressing hormone problems. But if a woman knows that a woman can feel that the hormones are contributing to their problems. I see it all of the time. Really healthy women who are empowered, who are doing everything right for their health. And they say, this is my hormones out of control. When, if you're told that something you understand about your body is wrong, it doesn't matter. And the treatment is simple and binary, a tablet for depression. It doesn't help even if that antidepressant might actually help some symptoms, if you understand why you're on it, that's different. But actually, as a first line, just saying, here, treat every woman's health problem with uh, antidepressants. Whereas we know that many women's health problems affect mood. It's not right and it needs to change. 
Thank you for sharing that. One of the things I read in your book as well is that one of the things that gets wrongly diagnosed, even though it, it, there are hormone-related challenges, is, for instance, chronic fatigue syndrome. So I just wanted to bring that up as well and how you have noticed that. Well, I mean, a chronic fatigue syndrome, it, it's more widely known as ME or ME-CFS. It is, it is a, a fatigue-related disorder which causes really extreme fatigue worse by physical and mental exhaustion and it's much more common in women than men although it can occur in men and the thing with with me cfs is that it can it tends to peak at times of hormone changes in women so it can actually peak in in puberty and around menopause so you know actually the condition may be there but it may be being made worse by the hormone changes you know all these things typify the fact that our bodies are complex and we might have one thing, but it might be linked to another thing. And if we try and see health as binary, you know, fatigue is all to do with ME, uh, low mood is all to do with depression, then we miss really important pieces of information that when put together, and if a woman understands what she's experiencing, she then has the agency, the understanding, that the, the empowerment to know what she can do for herself and what Treatments might be needed, if any, uh, to support her recovery, her healing. And I believe the key point you just mentioned is understands. I believe that is one of the most important thing. Because when a woman or, or a man with hormone-related challenges doesn't understand what is going on and perhaps even gets the wrong diagnosis, because as you said, we are complex, that is going to cause a lot of, a lot of challenges, um, both physically and, of course, and emotionally. Absolutely. I think I've got many patients who've said they've walked away from their, their doctor uh, or another health professional feeling ignored, feeling dismissed, almost even ridiculed for the symptoms, being told there's either nothing wrong at all, which is which is even worse. Because, yeah, I mean, you, somebody comes, I, I see oh, thousands of, of patients who come to me and they say, these are my symptoms, really severe really intrusive symptoms that affect everything in, in terms of their daily lives. And they've got those symptoms and the doctor says, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, go and do some exercise. I'm not saying exercise is wrong. I'm very big on exercise. But for a doctor to say, there's nothing wrong, that not only doesn't help, it actually is harmful. It disempowers. And it's wrong. And it's part of our modern healthcare system. The way our healthcare system works is looking at simple solutions and very much dismissing complex issues. And women have more sort of, of those complex hormone issues because in women from puberty onwards, hormones are a moving target every single day of that woman's fertile life. Whether she's menstruating, whether she's pregnant, whether she's breastfeeding, postpartum, you know, her, her hormones are moving. Your hormones are never the same two days in a row. So it's complicated. Symptoms can be complicated. And to be told there's nothing wrong is the worst possible thing. Thank you for sharing that. And I also believe, and I'm sure you will agree on this, is that it teaches women or men when, when they're told nothing is wrong with you, it teaches them to not trust their own body, to not trust their own intuition, which again then ties completely into this sense of disempowerment. Because when we can't trust ourselves, we will feel disempowered. Yeah, it, 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 it's disempowering. It, it's confusing because, you know, people will think, well, but this is what I think is wrong. And, and my doctor said that there's nothing going on but I feel so ill it adds to confusion and actually it adds to something that I see a lot particularly in relation to to women's health issues but all hormone issues in men and women it sort of increases the health related anxiety so you've got health symptoms 
you don't know what's going on in your body you're told something that doesn't make sense to you or you're told that there's nothing wrong which you know is 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 dismissive and you know that actually makes you feel worse not better it increases your health anxiety it increases the stress around those symptoms because you feel like you know it's almost suffocating you feel like there's nothing you can do and that is a, a really powerfully negative narrative so that's something that it's wrong because the alternative which is even if a doctor says, I don't actually know what's wrong, but you're, you've clearly got a major burden of symptoms and I want to try and help you to find out what's wrong. Even if a doctor doesn't know, because many doctors aren't well trained in hormones, if they validate symptoms, that's actually very empowering. Something very simple. I, I often, when I give talks to doctors, say, if you don't understand what's going on with your patient, at least validate those symptoms. They're real symptoms. There may not be a simple, easy solution, but it's real and it's affecting the quality of life of your patient. Leading into something else here, in my personal opinion, in your highly specialized profession, you're not just a doctor who prescribes medicine, but you're also a coach guiding your patients in your journey. Could you talk a little bit more about this and how this should be done, please? I love the idea that you, you describe me what I'm what I'm doing sometimes in my clinics is coaching I don't have coaching qualifications I am a consultant physician so consultant physicians that means I've got decades of experience understanding the complexity of the human body and how every system works in, in conjunction with every other system we call it scientifically homeostasis body balance and that the, the problem is that because doctors say here have this pill for depression or here have this pill for cholesterol or here have this pill for for blood pressure they're not looking at the whole individual and what i do is i look at my patients holistically i look at the whole patient every part is linked and when i talk about strategies i will not just say oh you've come with hormones here's a prescription i will talk about everything that's going on in that patient's body about the, the stress the medical problems the medications everything so i think when when we say i i'm actually coaching i'm trying to teach my patients about their body to understand how their body works and how there is no one size fits all solution any single medication in isolation will never be a solution to lifelong health well-being you know to solve health issues for example if you have high blood pressure which many people as they get older experience lots of people say i've never had high blood pressure but it's something that tends to happen when you're older you can go on medication for blood pressure but the blood pressure is caused by other things it's caused by poor lifestyle it's caused by lack of exercise weight gain stress you know lots of other things so what i do is i try and help to to you know facilitate my patient with the agency to understand that actually it's not just the pill they can do a lot more for themselves to help that blood pressure maybe they can even reverse it same with diabetes you know they may have to have medication but maybe if they can take back control for themselves they can actually reverse disease we know it's true it's not a, it's not a popular narrative on social media because it, it it's kind of free if you if you if you heal yourself you know no one's making a profit out of you but it, it's very powerful so it's that holistic view it's providing my patients with understanding and agency 
I guess that links with how I'm coaching them. I'm coaching them to, to heal themselves. Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And the, the, one of the reasons why I asked that is because I personally um, see it as this kind of gray line, right? Because you can't separate these things entirely in the sense, of course, I understand um, you, about the coaching qualifications and all of that. Of course, they are separate if there are specific challenges that need to be addressed. I've, I completely understand that. But still, they are not entirely separate because, as you said, mm. you have to give people and patients who come to you a more holistic approach to it for them to really be equipped in every possible way to work through and heal to heal themselves ultimately yeah and it goes back to what you said about a patient or a person understanding what is going on if you understand what is going on in your body you are so empowered i had i have had the same personal experience when i've had health issues you know if you're empowered the solutions are really there at your fingertips. If you're disempowered, there is just chaos inside. You don't know what to do. Your anxiety goes up. You feel stressed and the solutions don't come. Yes, and I, I, I like that you use the word empowered because it makes such a difference when someone goes on the healing journey or managing certain any hormone-related challenges. It changes everything when we when we approach it from an empowered place, which you're providing for your patients, or from a more disempowered place, or we're confused, we don't understand what is going on. And it might sound simple, but it's it's truly life-changing. I, I know this from myself when I work with clients, when they approach a specific challenge, now talking about coaching, when, the, when it comes from an empowered place, it completely shifts the energy. Absolutely. And, you know, I wouldn't be doing what I do if I if I didn't have feedback from patients again and again. They say, you know, I've seen so many doctors. They've just given me simple solutions. It's never worked. And you've provided me with understanding of what's going on. I understand that it's different for me compared to maybe somebody I speak to, you know, other people's hormone journeys. Anecdotes are interesting they raise awareness but anecdotes don't help healing because every single person's individual experience is different so understanding what you're going through is hugely important and and i think what you do and what i do overlap very significantly uh, one thing i'm really really curious about and i believe will serve the audience really powerfully is um this is not just for women, but also for men. Any hormone-related challenges, now specifically talking about women such as PMS, perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, how do you notice this affecting women in their intimate relationships? In a very diverse set of ways. And again, it is different for everyone. But one thing I want to emphasize is that today, how women live is different from how women lived 30 years ago. And that is relevant to the partner. So I, I, it, this is for everybody, this, this information that I'm just going to impart initially, is that women today are more likely to, to be working. They're more likely to have care roles, whether it be, you know, care roles for relatives, children, elderly, um, you know, people. They're very, very overcommitted, particularly as life goes on through, through into midlife. Women are very overcommitted. And if you're overcommitted and your stress levels are higher, the, the stress adds to symptoms. The stress affects hormone symptoms, and that can, you know, impact on premenstrual symptoms, perimenopause, the, the whole menopause transition, and coping strategies for women are often. But what you need to do is often counterintuitive. So, you know, if you're exhausted, you're more irritable. You don't want to exercise. You crave sugar. 
you might be irritable with your partner you know um as a partner of of somebody who's going through hormone issues and to be honest it can be men or women as a partner you get frustrated you don't know what to say if you don't understand as a partner what's going on it's very easy to be reactive a bit like the child child fight reaction and then it all can escalate so in terms of hormone health issues in women it can cause tension in relationships if a woman is exhausted for example and i write about this in my book there's there's i've even got tables describing scenarios but if a woman is exhausted and and you know there's a big planned trip or night out or social gathering and both members of the couple are really excited about doing it but then the woman says i'm exhausted i don't want to go i don't feel good about myself i feel low then it spoils the social aspect and it's it's just so diverse the way it can impact on relationships because you've got another person in that relationship you know there may be other family members you know friends who get affected so it's it's very it's very difficult to kind of pinpoint it in one thing it just affects everything it can affect people's sleep you know couples say to me you know we, we can't sleep in the same room because you know the po female partner might be having hot sweats the male partner might be freezing if there's two female partners one's going through hormone changes one's not you know there's so many different scenarios it is absolutely huge how hormone changes can impact on relationships equally it's also huge how understanding it can result in small tweaks perhaps attitudes behavioral changes from both partners that can be transformationally in a positive way one of the teachings and concepts i teach about is this idea of holding space for women so for men to cultivate the capacity to hold space rather than as you mentioned already very powerfully emotionally start to react and to become reactive which is only going to aggravate the tension and difficulty in that moment but instead without trying to fix or often the way the kind of masculine brain mindset works is problem solution so her going for an challenges whether it's pms or um, perimenopause or menopause whatever it is is something that needs to be fixed a solution needs to be found whereas if in that moment men are able to just hold space to be present and support in the ways you've already mentioned um i believe that changes everything from from your point of view what is it that women need in these challenging moments from us men it's exactly as you just put put it exactly women do not need advice they certainly don't need a, a dismissive comment a little bit like when the doctor says oh there's nothing wrong or pull yourself together they do not need a dismissive comment that's very emotional because it's, it's difficult for the partner if they're feeling frustrated it's very easy to throw in a throwaway comment and it's so destructive it's it not only doesn't help but it makes everything worse But as you say, adding that space, even saying nothing, just even giving a hug, saying I'm here for you, I understand this must be difficult, you are clearly struggling, it diffuses the situation like diffusing a bomb. A simple strategy, pause, don't rush in, and perhaps don't offer advice. You know, in those moments, advice, I would say rarely if ever or even never works it's never effective what is highly powerful is that pause that reflection and just 
being there, showing that you are there and that you understand those difficulties. And it's, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. This is it's so powerful what you're sharing. And the reason why I'm laughing is because when I work with men, one of the things I always like to say is 20, it takes 20 or 30 seconds to just be present, to not become emotionally reactive and to just hold space in the ways you have already pinpointed here. And at the same time, getting emotionally reactive then leads to similar to what's something you shared already it then leads to this tension and i've seen this with couples i work or with individuals i work where then little moments you, you use the word bomb diffusing the bomb suddenly these little moments of tension explode into something so much bigger both don't understand what is going on both are deeply confused by what is truly the underlying dynamic and if in that moment we as men can just be a safe space and provide support in the way you have mentioned, then um, then most likely most of the disconnects that would happen when women are going through any hormone-related challenges no longer need to happen. Yeah, I would say a, a huge amount of the disconnection and the relationship difficulties and degeneration is exactly that. It's completely unnecessary moments where both parties end up more frustrated and you know laura i want to emphasize we understand this these these uh, you know emotional reactions because what's happening in that moment is it's it's the amygdala in your limbic system in your brain it's a, it's the emotional sensing center in your brain and it wants to it's basically saying get the situation sorted out as soon as possible it's actually hardwired into our genes to solve problems and it's so it's understandable that any man is going to have that reaction quickly because our ancestors you know in a situation of war or famine it would create solutions and they'd be able to survive but it doesn't work in these sort of situations in the modern world so what you have to do is your oh when you're stopping and pausing you're overriding that emotional reaction with your frontal lobe your logical brain going hang on a minute so you're reining the emotional center in and your logical brain over that just short pause is saying just wait just use a hug <laughs> just use a i understand rather than or it must be difficult rather than a, a reactive comment. So we understand that, that this is our brain trying to work for us, but it works against us in those situations. One of the things I say to men, what makes them good in business, for instance, right? What makes them really powerful in business is the very opposite that makes them the most conscious husband or partner that they can be so sometimes there is this kind of it's the very opposite it's the kind of the finding a solution and fixing it as quickly as possible it works so well and our world rewards us for it as well it rewards men for find a solution achieve something push through and this is the very same thing that then in relationships where it's more about, like you mentioned, having that pause. So I can totally see also how, based on what you shared already, how challenging that is for men in these moments to realize, wait a moment, it requires a different approach here than actually in business or in any other, in other area where such behavior is um, awarded. And, you know, also 
because women are working, women have that approach as well. So the woman who's there with her hormone problem will also be wanting a quick solution and her solution will be different to the man's solution. So you can see how it, it can degenerate so easily in that moment or those moments that can happen again and again in relationships. So you're, you're, you're so 100% right. What works in that nurturing relationship is, you know, a business environment is not nurturing, is it? It's just not. It's completely different. So it's, it's it, again, it's overriding that in, instinctive uh, strategy, which works in all those other aspects of life with the frontal lobe going, well, hang on a minute. That's not going to work in this situation. Short break. This is for women. Do you want to heal your relationship with the masculine? Do you want to embody your awakened feminine essence unapologetically in your intimate life? Do you want to trust and open your heart fully again to the right man, but also know how to protect your heart from getting hurt? Then I invite you to join my Healing Your Relationship with the Masculine program, a four-week immersive program for women starting on the 21st of April. Whether you want to attract a conscious man or become the most conscious woman you can be in your current relationship, this program is for you. Not only will it allow you to heal your relationship with the masculine, you will also learn how to support the masculine without losing yourself in the process from an empowered place and understand men at the deepest level. Click on the show notes to learn more and to save your spot today. Moving into something else here. The one elephant in the room, the effect of hormonal changes, as you've mentioned already, are of course not only experienced by women in relationships, but also by men, namely, for instance, testosterone levels for men. Could you speak a little bit more about men's hormonal changes here? Absolutely. So, you know, a healthy man, um, whatever age, there isn't a recognized situation where men go through an acute hormone change like menopause. So uh, sometimes I get asked, what is manopause, you know, the male version of menopause? And actually, there isn't a, a male menopause that's the same. However, there are some big things that affect men's testosterone levels. First of all, men's testosterone levels tend to decline very gradually over the adult lifespan towards in line with aging. So, um, you know, men, men don't become infertile. Uh, you know, at any point like women do. Men can father children to the end of their lives. But testosterone levels, which the testosterone production and the sperm production are controlled actually through two different pathways between the brain and the gonads. So whilst the testosterone doesn't drop very much, it can decline over time with age and sperm production is maintained. But there's some other things. First of all, stress is a huge, and I'm talking about chronic stress. I'm talking about things that are associated with chronic stress, like burnout and trauma and recurrent major life events, including relationship difficulties. That can actually, the stress hormone cortisol has a profoundly negative effect on reproductive hormones. So that's estrogen in women and androgens in men, and actually androgens in women too, because women also produce testosterone. So if a man is stressed, it can affect his testosterone production and that can affect his, his libido, it can affect his well-being. So there's stress. And then the other thing is lifestyle because exercise, 
maintaining a healthy weight, and again, it, that links with stress reduction as well, are very beneficial to men's testosterone levels. We also know, and we know that we're going through an obesity epidemic, and I don't say that in a judgmental way, I work in obesity medicine, the obesity epidemic and putting weight around the middle, which many of us do, men and women today, this has a really significant negative impact on men's testosterone production, libido, etc. And, um, and actually we've got very good clinical trials showing that, that men who gain a lot of weight and who have problems with low testosterone, when we can help them with weight loss, just to get back to an appropriate weight, testosterone recovers. So it's really complicated. Uh, testosterone issues in today's world link with chronic stress, which is worse than in any time in history, uh, adverse lifestyle and the obesity epidemic, which is unprecedented. It, you know, in the last 30 years, it's skyrocketed. So today, 75% of the Western populations are overweight or obese, and the World Obesity Atlas uh, predicts that in 2035, 75% of adults will be obese. So that's something we have to be aware of because if you've got a relationship difficulty, and you know the relationship's affected by lack of intimacy, problems with intimacy, that adds a, another layer of complexity. It's a kind of taboo topic, both for women, but also, I believe, in that sense, even more for men. This is like, it's like, um, as a man, you don't even think about getting potential help or having changes. So what would you advise a man to do in, in such a situation? So they would have to have symptoms that might indicate that there could be a problem with testosterone. So, for example, loss of spontaneous morning erections. This is something that many men, you know, they, they don't want to talk about. Anything to do with sex and intimacy is generally shrouded in secrecy. Nobody wants to talk about it. You know, it's my job. So I talk about it every day, all the time. But, you know, thinking about if you're not having morning erections, it's difficult to have, to have erections, you know, at times of intimacy. Plus things like loss of motivation, loss of energy, that joie de vivre, that, you know, mojo. Those are important telltale signs that there could be a significant problem with testosterone. The other symptoms that can be linked with a low testosterone in men are sweating. So a bit like women with low estrogen, low testosterone in men can cause terrible sweating. It can also cause joint aches. Um, it can cause sort of making it easier to put weight on on the middle, a little bit like menopause. So that's why lots of people talk about this menopause or andropause. But, you know, the problem is that stress in itself can cause, even with a normal testosterone, stress can cause put, people putting weight on the, on the middle, anxiety, low mood, um, sweating. So I think the thing is, if you have those symptoms, it's pretty easy to check a testosterone level. In men, testosterone has a diurnal variation. So checking a testosterone late in the evening is not good because it may well be low. But it, if it's checked in the morning on an empty stomach, because actually food lowers, a, a big meal can lower testosterone. So if you have a morning fasting testosterone and it's within the normal range, if you've got lots of symptoms, you might want with your doctor to do it two or three times at different points. If, if your testosterone is within the normal range, it is unlikely that testosterone is the only cause. If the testosterone is low, then a wider hormone panel is needed to investigate the cause and what else might need to be done. There are other things that can affect um, 
sex drive libido erections in men um, cardiovascular disease so many men in midlife will have blood vessel disease and blood vessel disease affects the blood supply to the penis so that impacts on erections so it, it would be really important to talk to your doctor about is there any suggestion of heart or blood vessel disease? And that's looking at things like cholesterol, blood pressure, whether there's diabetes, overweight and stress. All of those factors are very, very important. So this is a medical issue. You know, if you've got those problems, these things should be talked about. And actually, because they're not talked about, I'm afraid there's a whole black market in testosterone. Many men who don't really need it are getting it through the black market and not being monitored on treatment. So it's 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 really important that these things are read and every man should be able to talk to their doctor about these about issues if there are issues. And, and I believe also it's something so archaic in men in the sense as a strong man there shouldn't be anything wrong with testosterone, right? It goes into so in such an archaic fear that a man is not man enough or not masculine enough. And I believe that's part of what creates this stigma. That's part of what creates this, as you mentioned already before, this kind of secrecy around all these kinds of topics. No one is speaking openly about it. And I believe it's so important that we're having this conversation for both women and men, because as they listen to this, they can start to acknowledge these things. And, if, and something else I wanted to share here as well is um, because you already mentioned of course also the, the impact of chronic stress that all of this is very, can be very complex because at the end of the day it's not as easy to say as oh this is just a, this is this is because of this reason there could be many factors contributing to that um, one of the things that I've seen also a lot more on the rise is and I believe based on what you mentioned, specifically in men who their testosterone levels are within the realm of where they're supposed to be or what is prescribed, described as, as healthy, um, but they have they struggle with erections because of um, the mental aspects, because they're, they're not able to relax, because of performance anxiety. There are many, many reasons, but chronic stress is um, um, something I didn't think a lot about before, but now when you mention it, 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 it makes perfect sense. Just to give an example quickly and then you can share more about this uh, it's very common that I work with men and we have one breakthrough session right and obviously here there is no deeper issue that needs to be treated but it's simply a, a, a mindset issue or it's a, a limiting belief and once they experience a breakthrough suddenly the problem disappears yeah so psychosexual issues is what you're describing it can be a real block and yes, it's like liberating. Sometimes that can be a real light bulb moment where they're kind of released, almost freed from some of those factors. Um, on the cr chronic stress side, what, what I try to emphasize, and it is relevant to both adult men and women today of all adult ages, is that the way we live our lives has undergone a paradigm shift in the last 20 to 30 years. You know, the internet, the connection that everyone has and, and everything that's going on and the way women are working more. So men have greater shares in household roles and women are having to work as well as carrying on with household roles and everything is adding to chronic stress in our world. And, you know, we're, we're conned 
into thinking life's easier. We can get ready meals. We can get fast food. We can, you know, do quick exercise regimes that are going to get us back on track if we've we've gone off kilter weight loss programs if we've gained weight we're, we're conned by a lot of misinformation that our lives are easier than they've ever been and our lives have never been more complicated and that's where the chronic stress aspect comes in and i'm not saying chronic stress affects everybody but the thing is if you recognize that you are perhaps under more stress it's so much easier to find solutions to reduce that impact of that stress and um, because you don't need to go and just reject modern life you just need to do small things that are stress relievers within your everyday life so recognition of the impact of stress and recognition of the psychosexual factors as you say around you know intimacy and and uh, sexual function in both men and women is really important and it's just not talked about which ties into the whole topic of what we talked about before holistic to approach this from a holistic and a holistic way because that is what's going to be required in order to really work through these things now we have already touched this subject but specifically this is now relating to women and men low libido caused by any hormone related challenges how can a couple deal with this in the most empowering or powerful way so it doesn't lead to disconnect and so much pain for both there are so many factors and there are hormone factors so if there are hormone factors in the man or woman we've talked a little bit about male hormones women at menopause test they have testosterone too women have testosterone and testosterone drops a little bit through the menopause transition but there is also testosterone production from the adrenal glands and the impact of loss of estrogen from the ovaries affects testosterone as well in a complicated way. You'll have to trust me on that. So if there is a hormone factor, it is important to recognize it. And if it can be addressed, then it should be addressed because these, 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 are, these can be very powerful. You know, women can be treated with estrogen replacement in, in hormone replacement therapy or menopause hormone therapy they can be treated with testosterone men if needed can also be treated with testosterone if that's needed for their uh, problems there are other treatments for men for erectile dysfunction as you know the phosphodiesterase inhibitors well your audience may be aware um, there are medications that can be used to help with libido in men when that libido problem is not related to hormones. So there's quite a, a whole spectrum of treatments that can be used. But, you know, I see men and women in my clinics who have problems with libido. They've seen me specifically for hormone-related problems. We've treated the hormone problem and the libido problem is still there. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. You can't cure every single problem of intimacy, libido, with hormones, actually. Because I've been in this for so long, that's why I know the holistic approach is needed. Because I've been there, done that, said, hey, your hormones are fine. Now we've sorted them all out. And they go, still got a problem. And that's what, what goes back to what you were saying about many psychosexual factors and then what i was saying about other factors like stress so historic trauma can be carried by men and women and impact later on things like sex drive well-being energy and it must be acknowledged that our adrenal stress response which is our fight or flight our family feast our reactive response to emergencies 
if you've got chronic stress, all of the adrenal hormone productions are imbalanced. They're not fit for purpose. So cortisol becomes dysregulated and testosterone and other androgens are suppressed in men and women. So your reservoir of testosterone and androgens from your adrenals is then affected. Now, there's, there's no way you can really treat that unless you've got adrenal failure. We can use a drug called DHEA. That's, you know, that's really for more complex adrenal problems. But the underlying stress needs to be addressed. And then the psychosexual factors need to, so you need to be addressing everything. And I, I use an analogy for many of the conditions I look after, which is like, and, and I, I actually, I use it in my book. If you think of a house in winter and it's, it's, it's freezing cold and there are 15 windows in that house and they're all open and the house is cold and you want to get that house warmer. So you go around closing the windows and you can close 12 windows. But the house will still be cold if you've left the other windows open. And it's kind of a metaphor for you can you can address some things. But if you ignore other important windows to get the house hot, you just leave them open. You will not get the function that you want. And it's it's like that with sex drive. There are many factors. So with women, uh, there's the hormone factors. There's the psychosexual factors. There's the stress. There's also pain pain on intimacy is common in women um, across the adult lifespans. And we've got many things we can do to address local pain. Take the pain away. There's no problem with men, as you say, performance issues. It, it's so complex. But again, if we don't have the conversation, I'm not trying to make it more complicated. But if you recognize and you think, oh, actually, this is I've dressed, I've addressed all of those things, but I haven't addressed this one thing, then you're empowered to know that that's the next step in healing and recovery. You know what I find so powerful about your work? And as I'm listening to you right now, the feeling that I'm getting is, for instance, when a couple would come to you in regards of hormone-related challenges, which of course might be mixed with the psychosexual-related challenges, right? As they often are, it's more complex, as you said. But what I find so powerful is, um, of course, the holistic approach, but also the way you speak and the way you're so passionate about your topic, there is a sense of we can do something about this. As you mentioned the analogy in your book, for instance, I just remembered it when you mentioned it with the 15, 15 windows open. It's a total different approach and energy with this because often I believe and let me know what you think about this, but for couples is a sense of this should be working. Why is this not working? And that's kind of the, that's kind of the belief around it. This, it there's, there shouldn't be any problem, right? Everything should be okay. So why something is wrong with me? Something is wrong with us. And of course, if you, if you are in that belief, then it's going to be really, really using your own language, disempowering the whole experience because you're already in a place of this is wrong. We shouldn't be here, but we, but we are here. So for people who are listening right now to acknowledge, okay, we are here and we can do so many things. And if the hormone related challenges, of course, working on them and then don't mean immediately that everything is solved. Okay, we've got these other windows we need to close for it to work. Absolutely. And I saw a couple on Friday last week. So this reminded me of, of, of their, their scenario and, and it reminds me of what else to mention is that I saw a couple who'd had complicated health issues, particularly the female partner. And we, we've, we've, we've worked really hard and we've addressed lots of complex issues that related to major life events, menopause and other hormone issues. 
and we addressed them all. And the couple came back, um, including sex-related issues, and we've addressed all of them. And the couple came back and, and, you know, the male partner is happy and really happy that his female partner is feeling so much better. And, and you know, she, w- she was expressing how much better she felt compared to the first time she'd ever, ever seen me. She, it's re- I mean, it's been transformational. But she said, everything is better except my sex drive. I have no sex drive. And the other thing that's really, really important because there's there's two things sleep and sex drive which are they are really difficult to budge when they stop functioning so insomnia and libido so what i said was actually now you're feeling better it's just a matter of time before then the sex drive will return so if if you're then stressed thinking but i'm better why is the sex drive not back it makes you more stressed because you think i'm doing everything and we all want quick fixes. We all want solutions as quickly as possible. We want to live our life, lives. But so I said, you know, actually, now you're doing everything right. She was doing everything right by this point, and as was her partner. I said, now you just need to sort of clamp everything you're doing. You're doing everything right. And let's see how you go over the next few months. And actually, they were really happy with that because when they thought about it, they were, everything was so much better. It's logical that it's going to take time for that intimacy side to improve. So I think that's something that people need to take real positives from. It's not, you know, you can't, Rome wasn't built in a day, I always say. You know, it takes time when things aren't working to get things back on track. The other thing that I haven't actually touched on, which is important, and because I'm a consultant physician, I look after a whole number of really serious health issues. And if a man or a woman has very complex health issues, they need to be addressed. All the physical health issues need to be addressed, the cardiovascular disease, the diabetes, the high blood pressure, the you know gut issues, whatever they are, they do need to be addressed as part of that holistic approach. It's not just about being empowered and, and, and managing symptoms yourself or the psychosexual side. The physical health issues can impact on relationships, you know, sexual function, sexual health. And it goes back to that holistic approach. It goes back to looking at everything. You can't just make any aspect of your health a binary standalone issue. Everything affects everything else, and more so with hormones than anything. Short break. This is for men and women. If you want to harness the power of masculine and feminine polarity to create deeper intimacy, connection and trust in your intimate life, then I invite you to join my upcoming Evolve with Feminine Testing workshop on the 7th of April. As the masculine, you will learn how to respond to feminine testing in the most powerful and conscious way that leads to deeper intimacy and trust and strengthens your masculine energy. As the feminine, you will learn to embody your aura your awakened feminine energy in the most unapologetic and healing way. You will learn to liberate your voice and heart's medicine and to discern whether you're coming from your deep feminine wisdom or from a place of wounding. Click on the show notes to learn more and to save your spot. There, there is something really key that you have mentioned here and that is when you gave us that example that I believe serves the audience really powerfully of 
the women, the woman experiencing all these amazing changes, but um, low libido. Um, it, it is all of these ties into this um, mindset of, okay, things are going better, but why is not everything better immediately? You use the word quick fix. We're looking for that quick fix. So it's almost like I, I, I just want to reiterate and, 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 and just add to what, what Anise already shared here for everyone listening here. Slow down, right? Slow down. Don't try to fix it immediately and, and stress yourself because that stress is only going to cause more anxiety, which is then, of course, for instance, all the psychosexual challenges, as you've mentioned before, address everything and then have patience. And with time, everything should be solvable for most people, at least. And, and again, it, knowledge is empowering. So if you understand that there are these different things and you think, right, actually, I think I've, I think I've addressed everything or we as a couple have addressed everything but but it's not you know sudden i'm not suddenly feeling any better the the, the issue that I, that i'm concerned about isn't isn't fixed you know you've you've addressed everything it, it's not like you've addressed it and that's it you're continuing to uh, uh, go down those strategies things get better and better with time a little bit like you know when you do exercise or you start exercise for the first time, you don't suddenly have big muscles. You have to wait for that to happen. You have to keep going. And then you see the rewards. I believe this is a this is a game changer for people listening because I believe that there is a there there is this a, this mindset for most people. Okay, with, with the gym, for instance, with exercise, people tend to understand it's a journey. And and just like that, people should approach what we are talking about here as a journey. Step by step. And I believe that will change everything. So I, I want to ask so many more questions, but at the same time, I'm aware of time. And there is something else I wanted to mention here that I really, really feel will serve the people listening so incredible. And we need your expertise on. So just to give a little bit of background before I can ask you the direct question, I always say we live in a very masculine orientated world. It's all about profit, productivity, pushing through, getting the job done, no matter what. Achievement, and achievement specifically in the external sense of what we define as success, or what our society defines as success. Now, for instance, we know that in ancient tribes, when women were menstruating, they would spend several days or during the, the time of bleeding with other women, embracing their feminine energy, relaxing, and going within and not staying in that in that mode that so many women in today's world have to of keep getting things done keep being productive and kind of very kind of uh, very masculine virtues so um this seems to be almost impossible in today's world what should women do when they are menstruating what is your personal opinion about this well, I do have personal opinions, but there's very little evidence to support for sure what women should do. But it's absolutely true that the stress hormones go up at that time if you keep trying to push, push yourself. Because when the menstruation happens, the female hormones are dropping really low. And that, it puts stress on the system, the energy is lower, the vitality, the ability to get things done is lower. You know, things like brain fog, aches and pains, tiredness, sleep problems can come in at those times of the month, particularly if women don't slow down. So there are schools of thought that women should live, particularly if they have 
female hormone imbalances like premenstrual syndromes that are severe at the time of menstruation, they should perhaps just make some small changes. I'm not saying every woman should stop work for a week every month. There's, I'm absolutely not saying that. But here's the thing. If a woman's really fit and doing lots of exercise and she's maybe going to the gym two or three or four times a week doing high intensity exercise, really that's not going to work when her hormones are dropping off at the end of the month. So she can just do a little bit less of the high intensity that's putting more stress on her system during the days when she's either menstruating or running up to her menstruation when where the symptoms are coming. You know, we all have meetings, we have deadlines. If you can plan around your period, you can reduce the number of really big intensive meetings or deadlines around your period. That takes organization, but that can be really powerful too. If a woman like many women are and men are, and we've talked about weight management and the obesity epidemic, if a woman is restricting her calorie intake to lose weight, that might work when she's feeling pretty stable, when her when her hormones are fine, but that week before or during the period, she's gonna feel exhausted. Exhaustion will, your, your, your instinctive reactions will result in sugar sort of cravings. And so trying to restrict calorie intake during those days is problematic because you end up exhausted and then you know craving sugar and eating more and then self-loathing because it hasn't worked so making some small changes not quite like the ancient tribes it's not going to work in today's world but just small changes organization making sure that your sleep is particularly good at that time because we all a lot of people cut corners on sleep making sure that perhaps you know if you're going to have a late night or it's going to be challenging you need to even if you can't change something you need to be really aware that if you're doing too much on those days you're likely to feel more stressed you may be more likely to feel tearful emotional understanding that the that the, the menstrual the changes during the menstrual cycle will impact on your well-being and that there's things that you can do to mitigate because if you're not as stressed you're not as overcommitted you're going with your body rather than against your body that those few days can go from being chaos and awful to being much more manageable and and we know that that's that those are some of the recommendations along with others that that i recommend and the international organizations recommend for women who have um you know significant uh difficulties with with um around the menstrual cycle wow what what, what comes up for me what i want every woman who is listening to this here is you are allowed to slow down when you're menstruating, almost like a mantra. That's what's coming through me right now. You're allowed to, because I believe many women need to hear this because the kind of societal conditioning that women receive is, no, you just gotta have to push through. And well, it's an inconvenience. It's almost like it's an inconvenience. It's an inconvenience that you experience this because today's world is only about profit productivity and, and, and how dare you have this experience. But guess what? Guess what? The thing is, and that's it's all to do with self-care and self-love you know if you go for that if you're a woman and you just push through and push and i've seen it so many times you end up in a heap on the floor you're under pressure the hormones just go more and more out of balance and believe me hormone imbalance is a big deal it's not and there's no quick fix 
So guess what? You end up less productive if you ignore your body. And if you go with your body and you listen to your body and you're kind to your, to your body, at, particularly at those times, you'll be more productive. You won't have days out exhausted. You'll get more done, not less done. And, and actually, it's not just women. This is something that I see across the board in, in, in people who get burnout, men and women, uh, through adult life, because they will not allow their body to stop. And what then happens is at some stage, and I see it many times, people say, I've, I've managed to, with no sleep and, you know, doing 24-7 working and not eating properly and, and drinking too much and smoking and not exercising. I've done it for all my life. It's never affected me. Believe me, it affects everyone given enough time. And so it's not just women, although it's really important for women because it's something that does, it does happen every month for most women, you know, those hormone changes. But actually for men and women, we're all living far too fast. And that, you know, it works for a while. And some, some people get away with it for longer than others, but it catches up with all of us, whether it catches up through physical health issues, hormone health issues, or diseases in later life, things like high blood pressure from, from that chronic stress load. I've recently talked to to a friend. Um, she um, she works in a in a in, in a top legal firm, and also there is I've heard from her that in the kind of blue chip companies and um, top legal firms and the like, that there seems to be much more investment into informing their employees on on menopause, for instance. The media is broadcasting more about this topic, and it was very interesting because that friend of mine told me it's almost saturated. So she's getting. This extreme bombardment of information and information, but it's almost like lacking the practicality side of it. And, and, and you shared so many practical things in almost every single sentence. And from what I heard from her is more like information and more information. So to make my question really clear here for you, Anis, is specifically with blue chip companies where it's all about this relentless pursuit of more and more profit and productivity. Can these two things coexist? Going back to the, the saturation of, of menopause information in the corporate sector, um, it is saturated. I worry that it's saturated in a very negative way. There's a lot of fear mongering about hormone issues. I don't think I've said at any point anything that we've talked about is not re resolvable. And that actually the aim is to improve well-being, improve health and improve productivity, whether that be in your own personal life or in the corporate sector. So with regard to menopause and hormone health issues, the aim is to thrive personally, economically, you know, in terms of the workplace. Um, and so I worry that there's 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 all this fear mongering about hormones, because I think if employing organizations think menopause is some sort of catastrophe and women's health issues are insurmountable, then what's going to happen? Women are not going to be in the workplace soon again because nobody will want to employ women. And that's wrong. Women have a huge wealth of knowledge and lots of really different approaches to bring to the workplace compared with men. So, you know, this is something we need female leadership in the corporate sector. So it, it's really, really important. But it, it goes back to what I said about burnout for men and women. If big organizations invest in their workforce in terms of helping them with well-being, with empowering information, 
helping them understand how to thrive in the workplace, how to thrive through this fast lifestyle that we all have to lead. And the things that we can all do that help, you know, harness energy and, and improve our overall health. If corporate uh, organizations invest in those things, then they get better productivity in the workplace. They will get less sickness absence. And I know that many big uh, corporate companies invest in well-being programs like, you know, gyms and, you know, time off for, for at lunchtime, you know, period of downtimes during the day because it improves productivity, not because they're nice, you know, although we obviously want big organizations to be nice. It improves productivity. We're not saying let's make female health issues a disease and women should be off work every month for a week. No, not at all. Let's make women more productive. Let's keep women in the workplace and let's, let's not lose women um, from the workplace when they go through menopause because they're terrified and they feel ill. Let's, let's change that narrative altogether. Yes, I love it. That sounds so empowering. Um, and also you mentioned about female leadership. I would now say, and let me know what your thoughts are about this, but based on what I heard, if there are more women in leadership positions, that in itself, if they are coming from a place where they're kind to their body, where they're honoring their body, where they're acknowledging, acknowledging what is happening inside them, that that in itself could also lead to some really, really powerful changes. Absolutely. Uh, I have nothing against men <laughs> being in leadership roles. Men are great, but having women, some women in leadership roles helps to balance our world. But whether it's politically, whether it's in big institutions, because you will get a different perspective from a woman who's a leader than who a, ma a man who is a leader. We all bring different things. And, you know, we talk about equality and diversity all of the time. And there's lots of a push to, to have more diversity in, in the workplace. But when we look at the boardrooms, they're dominated by men. And I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with men being in the boardrooms, but we need more equity in those places because, you know, you'll get some in incredibly helpful, empowering voices if you keep the women who've, who've you know, built up all that experience and knowledge in that workplace. And, you, and you're right, some of the, the personal experience those women will have had through, through their careers will help to, you know, engender future female leaders and actually be empowering to help people, you know, retain their job roles. To be honest, we lose so much money from the corporate sector by losing women who've been trained up and trained up, and then they disappear. We lose their productivity. So it, it, it's, it's a win-win to, to support women, to empower women. And I want to empower men as well, because I think, you know, we need to think about burnout in men. It, it is affecting men. Uh, men do have hormone issues and men and women benefit from that holistic view, which actually corporate organizations can it's not a lot that they have to do to, to really empower their workforce. Now, to wrap this up, I would like to ask you three last questions and you're only allowed to use one word or one sentence, but no more. Okay. <laughs> the first question is, if you were to meet your younger self now, what advice would you give her? Have more self-belief. Second question, what does this world need more of? Listening. 
And the last and final question. What is the number one reason why you became the person you are today who is having such a deep impact on women's health? I treat everything as a long game. Anis, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a it was a true pleasure. And the ripple effects, I already feel that the ripple effects of this podcast are going to be incredible. This is going to literally change people's lives. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Short break. This is for men. If you want to step into your highest power and truth as a man, to feel grounded with the feminine and no longer get emotionally reactive, connect with and serve the world through a powerful mission, then I invite you to apply for my next Awakened Masculine program starting on the 16th of June. This is your chance to embark on a powerful journey with like-minded men to really get to the root of what is holding you back from being the man you want to be in your intimate life and your purpose. Click on the show notes to learn more and to apply today. Thank you for listening and being here. You can find the link to Anise's social media platforms, her best-selling book, The Complete Guide to the Menopause, her website, and other powerful resources in the link in our show notes. Go give her a follow on social media because the work she is doing in the world is truly cutting edge and making a huge difference. Now, if you have enjoyed this episode and you want more episodes, whether they are solo episodes or deep dive interviews with amazing experts entirely for free, then you can support the show in just a few seconds by hitting the subscribe or follow button and rating it five stars or even leaving a short written review. If you share it with a friend who you think might benefit from it or on your social media, that would mean the world to us. These are small things you can do that allow us to continue serving you at the highest and most powerful level. Thank you for being here.